Welcome to Self Love Ignited. My name is Katie Allen. I'm a certified health and life coach, and we are here to talk all things self love, self acceptance, body image, health, and total well being. You are going to hear from me, plus, you'll hear the stories of other women who have transformed this already. They have walked this path and they have really learned how to love and embrace all parts of themselves. We are here to help you be inspired, motivated, and to help you really transform your relationship with yourself to be a loving and positive force each and every day. This is so important so that you can really reach your big dreams, feel at home in your skin, be healthy on your terms, and live a big life. What are you waiting for? Let's get to it. On today's show, I am interviewing Andrea, who is the founder of Soulful Living with Andrea. She is a transformational courage coach who inspires women in the midst of an identity crisis to seek their own inner truth and guidance so they can transform their life. Andrea has agreed to join us today to talk about her own challenges, Um, her own story and really sort of how she overcame them. She is here in the hopes that she can inspire you. Perhaps you will see a little bit of yourself in her story um, so that you can find that confidence and start taking steps. Without further ado, let's dive in and connect with Andrea. Perfect. All right, Andrea, welcome to the podcast. I'm so happy to have you here. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you so much for having me on. You're very welcome. So please, let's just start. Let's just dive right in. Why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself and where you are right now? Okay, well, I'm a middle-aged woman who's married. I've got three beautiful children. And currently, we live on the Sunshine Coast in Australia. And uh, we relocated here from Victoria in 2019. We took the leap of faith and we travelled Australia in 2018 in a caravan for eight months. And we relocated with no jobs, no house, no idea where we were going, just blind faith that we would be led in the direction of which we have landed in beautiful seaside spot. Um, Yeah, in northern Queensland. And it's just absolutely magnificent. So... I'm a transformational courage coach, so primarily supporting women to really take that inner journey so that they can make courageous changes to their life to to really follow their heart. That's awesome. That's beautiful. I love that you just sort of like packed up and traveled and ended up moving across the country. That's that's pretty awesome. (laughs) Yeah, I guess the, the idea was that we would find home when we traveled. I'm... I'm quite intuitive and I, and I really did believe that I would sense where we needed to be. And we actually didn't come to where we have relocated to. We went out and around this area. So we literally left blind, like not, we've visited here. My husband and I both visited here before, but, and it takes, it does take an enormous amount of courage to literally walk away from jobs and, and all of our family and every support system. But I think when you, believe in the journey of life enough and you can get to that element of detachment from the outcome 
and keep working on that because it can be hard to detach because we're so programmed, I think, to think good job, good house, good support. Why, why would you run? Like we lived in a beautiful home in a small town. All of our friends and family were there. Everything that most normal people would go, why would you leave that? What are you doing? And it was just this, this desire to actually just stretch and, and see what life had to offer on the other side and, and challenge ourselves to something different. And yeah, it's, 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 sometimes I think, Oh my goodness, what have we done? And then other times I'm just like, like, this is the best, like, seriously, we don't need much in life really. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. I would love to hear more about your journey. So, you know, we are here, we're talking all about self-love and your relationship with yourself. So I would love for you to sort of paint the picture for us and share your journey through life, your relationship with yourself, where you started, where you are now. Cool. Uh, So I guess for me, I, I didn't have a great deal of self-confidence externally Um, I'm sure if you ask people from my school days, I seemed extremely confident, but I think there's a, a lot of people that are really good at looking externally confident to, to hide and shelter from that internal not enoughness. And I guess I suffered that. And uh, I had bouts of um, bulimia in my later teen years feeling like my enoughness was attached to what I looked like and my enoughness was attached to finding a partner and getting married and having children. And in the process of that, I guess that my need to try to control and my need to, to feel okay was, was based on not being too fat. And I was really lucky to find a great, a great guy. He was a farmer and was everything that I'd sort of dreamed of. And so I did get married and have children and we had our first baby when I was not quite 25. And so I sort of had come through that by then. And um, unfortunately, our son was diagnosed with cancer at two days old. So we went through a bit of a journey with him and he went into remission. And then three years later, uh, my husband was killed in a car accident. So uh, in terms of realizing i guess that my my past was really about what i would classify an identity crisis so we all have a journey and and lots of people experience different things and i have done a lot of healing and i've made peace with what my journey what i've encountered on my journey but it was definitely kind of the the realization that i i didn't know who i was like my identity was locked in being a mum and, and a wife and, and that was my enoughness. And so that probably was the spark of a very, a much more deeper inner journey of working out who I was and, and what my identity was without external. So without the label of wife, without the label of mother, without the label of uh, a hairdresser or whatever tags I think we tend to place on ourselves feeling like that's what fulfills us or that's what uh, completes us. And I guess for me, it was that journey of having to complete myself and the only way that I could complete myself and the only way that I could 
love myself more was to know who I was first. And so that sort of took me to meditation and that took me to a lot of inner self-care practices and really beginning to understand the subconscious and the role that that plays in, in diverting us away from what our truth is and, and where our inner goodness really lies. And so that's sort of the journey I've been on since, well, probably was a couple of years after my husband's accident. So probably the last 10 years, I would say, of deep inner, inner work and, and uncovering all of the hidden little agendas of the ego and things like that. But probably one of the biggest aha moments along the way, because I think as you, as you grow and expand and, and evolve and your awareness sort of shifts, when I first started, I thought it was all about being positive you know, law of attraction, you know, what you put out is what you get back and think positively and positive things will happen and things like that. So that was really the commencement of that self-belief journey. But I think the biggest thing for me that has been a game changer was understanding that for me to really have self-belief and really love who I was, I actually had to begin to like the bits that I hadn't liked before that there is this duality that we need to be able to bring together. And I think for the most part, when I've spoken to people and with clients that I work with, I think a lot of the time we sit in this nothingness, in this kind of centre place of being too afraid to shine our light on our gifts and being too afraid to accept what we're really good at because what will other people think and the judgment and the tall poppy. And so we shrink back into this nothingness. But on the flip side, I think we're so afraid to accept that we actually have shitty aspects to who we are as well. That I am selfish at times and I do get self-absorbed and I can be judgmental and I can get cranky and I can be short-tempered. And the minute I began to understand that it was in the acceptance of those things and the willingness to breathe truth into that was when I truly began to actually be okay with who I was. That is awesome. I have goosebumps all over just listening to you speak because you're absolutely right. That's one thing that I think is missing from this conversation a lot is, you know, people talk about self-love and self-acceptance and they don't mention that we all have those aspects, whether you, you know, whether you call them negative aspects or shadow aspects or, you know, there's different terms, but we all have them. And it's not about being perfect and it's not about ignoring them. It's really about seeing them and acknowledging that they're there, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. And for, for me, I guess, in terms of how that changed my relationships, so that fundamentally changed the relationship I have with myself. But it then began to change the relationships, I guess, that I had or, or the boundaries really that I had because the empowerment for me from that, from that willingness to accept and that willingness to say and that willingness to admit that, guess what, I can be self-absorbed and I can be selfish and I can have shitty time management and I can be forgetful and I can be all of those things. It began to, I, I was able to create 
stronger boundaries because those things couldn't be used against me anymore. I think it's our fear, that underlining fear that we might get caught out, that people might actually acknowledge the stuff that we don't want to acknowledge and we don't know how to manage that. So it causes that complication. It causes that frustration and that angst and that takes us away from being able to have loving conversations about how we feel because we're running and trying to hide from what is true. And when you stop running and hiding, it's easier to say, I accept that I haven't, you know, that I've done those things or I, I accept that that is probably difficult for you to manage or I, you know, I accept what my, my part in this, but it's much easier that if that's not accepted, that that's okay as long as I accept it. Yeah. That we're no longer in search of other people being okay with who we are because we're okay with who we are. Yeah. 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 When you're, when you can really truly look in the mirror, look yourself in the eye and just know without a doubt that you're good with you, with all the parts of you. Yeah. It it, it stops mattering what other people think. Right. Yeah. 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 Which, yeah, of course changes everything, all your relationships without a doubt. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and it just, the energy just changes The, 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 the harshness of, you know, for me, the harshness, I guess. And that doesn't mean that that's easy. I think that's the other, the other aspect that understanding that life isn't easy sometimes and that we can't avoid suffering and we can't avoid questioning ourselves and we can't avoid doubting ourselves sometimes. I mean, if you're in a place where you're not doubting and not having some of those lower end kind of emotions, I guess, like doubt or fear or worry, then you're, you would be relatively stagnant, I would think, mm. because it's when you sort of really stretch out of that comfort zone and really step towards, you know, that expansion of, of living differently or thinking differently or feeling differently that's that's when those things sort of come to the surface again so if they're not coming to the surface you're relatively stagnant yeah yeah definitely (laughs) definitely um so before you said that when you were younger you um suffered from bulimia for a Mm -hmm. short time off and on um so can you tell me if it if if you don't mind going there you mentioned it so I'm assuming it's okay I'm a pretty open book (laughs) yeah yeah um like did you ever find that your body image and your self-image became one you know like if you felt really bad about your body you felt really bad about yourself where was that were those separate or was that sort of indistinguishable for you pretty indistinguishable Yeah, yeah like what the scales said was the difference of whether I felt okay. And that, that continued on, although the bulimia didn't, mm. that perception continued on much further than that, really. And I would still say that there's residual, I would still, there's still work there. Like I'm not, you know, I'm not going to come onto a podcast and say, oh, you know, all of my life is just perfect. It's wonderful. I've got, I've, I've created the key to effortless self-love all the time. Because again, I think, you know, if that's where you're at, you're not stretching yourself to really get into the, 
get into the trenches with it. So, uh, but yeah, definitely it, the, the scales, like I can remember being in grade five and not eating for a day based on the perceptions of other people. And like, I loved those people, but you know, I'm also smart enough on this journey of life to know that primarily a fair amount of our perception and our beliefs and our patterns, uh, they, they come from external sources. You know, we're sort of programmed or we, we learn the rules of engagement for acceptance and, and love and all those things. So it was definitely, you know, food was an enemy uh, from a very early age, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then, as you, you know, you said that though the bulimia didn't stay, that sort of that um, putting the emphasis of what the scale said was a direct reflection of you, like that stayed on for a long time, and there's still some residual stuff there. Um, was there any work in particular that you did for yourself to sort of overcome that, or has that been like a natural progression that's just come with everything else in your life that's happened? I think it's come with a progression of my happiness, if I'm totally honest with you. Uh, when I look at it now, the food and the bulimia um, and even, you know, short periods of starvation, like after my husband's accident, I didn't eat for six days. Like I just, because it's what I could control. And then when I made other hard decisions to move, you know, move into town and off his family's farm. I, I spent a couple of weeks living on apples and that was it because it was what I could control. So while the self-image is tied in there, there is the underlining core wound came from not being in control, feeling out of control, feeling like I was in a, in a period of my life where things were happening that I wasn't okay with and it was causing me pain and I didn't know how to fix that stuff. I didn't know how to, you know, solve that problem. So I grabbed the thing that I could control and I think that that's probably a massive underlining thing for a lot of people is that, oh, I can control my weight, I can control my eating, that's what I can control, that's what makes me feel safe and so that's what we do, yeah. Mm. Yeah, and especially like you said, you know, it's it's changed as your happiness has changed, and so often we look for happiness on the scale, you know, and or we look for confidence on the scale, or we look for, you know, whatever, like fill in the blank, right? We think that somehow that is tied with the number that the scale reflects back, but yeah, it's it's not. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah, I think at the end of the day, that's right. And I think for me, when I say it was dependent on my happiness, like it was de dependent on my healing journey, because I began to realize that I didn't need to control that. And so like I'm remarried now to a wonderful man. And for me, I guess that there's elements of that, that the, the love and contentment that I find outside of myself directly impacts the inside of myself and when I what I mean is it's not that oh if he loves me then I must be lovable it's not that it's that he provided the safety and the security of loving me enough until I learned how to love me enough and I can't I, I can't deny that like I can't deny that would I be who I am today and feel how I feel if he wasn't a part of this journey 
So because all credit to him, because he took me on as a broken woman. He took on two two babies. My son was eight months and my eldest was three. And so they were, I don't know, three, uh, three and five when we got together. So he took on somebody else's two little boys. He took on a broken widow who was, you know, trying to work herself out. And he has stood beside me every step of the way and is just incredible. And so how can I walk around not being okay with who I am when I have someone as amazing as that, that's willing to hold the space for me in such a magnificent way. So, yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. That's absolutely mm. beautiful. Yeah. So this, this podcast, you know, why we're here, we're talking all about self-love and your story, your sort of transformation into self-love through your life, through all these different things that you've gone through. Do you identify with the term self-love or, you know, is it more self-acceptance? Is it like, does self-love sort of land for you or is there something else that feels better, feels more true? I'd probably have to admit that when I hear the word self-love or I see it written, there is a definite sort of um, feeling of, that it's kind of been tarnished a bit. It's because the focus has been on that positive stuff. So love yourself enough, feel amazing. You, you know, you're so worth it. And to me, in some ways that's bypassed what I think is the most important aspect. And that's wholeness. That it's self-acceptance. It's knowing that we are enough, enoughness. And that wholeness of, of all aspects and I guess you have to love yourself enough to get there. But I think it's that the connotation of loving yourself has quite a negative connotation. That means you're arrogant. That means you think you're better than other people. So for me personally, there's other words that feel more congruent to what I think the journey of self-love really should be about. Yeah. 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 And it's that wholeness, knowing that what makes you whole is being able to recognize all parts and accept all parts and be okay with all parts. Yeah. 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 yeah I love that, that, that wholeness because it really is, it really is like, you know, like you said earlier, we have, we all have those shadow pieces. There's those parts of ourselves that maybe aren't the prettiest to look at, you know, those parts of our personalities and self-love is not about ignoring those or, glossing over them it's really about seeing them seeing ourselves for all that we are and still being good with what we see yeah and that's the thing loving ourselves anyway yeah the perfectly imperfect yeah absolutely like that's that's the key to kind of that journey for me is just perfectly imperfect Mm, beautiful beautiful Mm. so you are a coach you are an entrepreneur how has your journey towards this wholeness, towards the self-acceptance, the self-love, how has this journey affected your path to being an entrepreneur? I guess I, and like most coaches would, depending on who, you, who you're working with, it, because it's been a lived experience, because 
like I said, I, I work with people that primarily feel like they're in an identity crisis. Like they've come to that point in their life where life is not working. They know it's not working. They feel totally spent and overwhelmed. They've given everything to everybody else and they don't understand why people can't see their struggle. It's like they can't communicate it. They're misunderstood. They're not valued. And so because I feel like I've walked that journey, it's like, I guess it's like working with your younger self really. And you can feel that struggle so much that, but I know the faith I have in people because I've had to have that faith in myself that when you have been the one that has actually turned stuff around and, and really shone a light on what felt pretty uncomfortable, there's that, there's that strength in knowing that anybody can do that. And so I guess it, for me, like I said before, in terms of having such a supportive second husband and, and you know, he loved me enough until I loved me enough it's almost like it transpires into I believe in my clients enough until they believe it. That's beautiful. That's, that's pretty damn amazing actually. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and you're right. You know, most coaches, we do tend to work with younger versions of ourselves um, because, you know, we walked that path and we've seen the steps and we've seen the heartache and we've gone through it. And, um, I think it's a really powerful thing to be able to mentor others who are sort of walking a similar journey to what you've been on. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's the thing, like, I guess the events of my life are what brought me here essentially. Like I, I can't deny that I am who I am because of what I've experienced, but identity crises happen in divorce. They happen in motherhood. They happen in careers this identity crisis and not knowing who we are without the labels is so prevalent. It's not funny. Like so many people who can't speak their truth because they don't know what it is. Yeah. They literally don't know what their truth is. They just know how they feel and they just know there's like, for me, there's no, there's no surprise that mental health is so rampant because there's so many people that don't know who they are. Yeah. And yeah. And, you know, I've been through that journey too, I guess, you know, suffered mental health and, and found my way out the other side. So, and I absolutely attribute that to knowing that I was somewhere I had either outgrown or didn't want to be anymore, whether that be the type of person I was or whether that would literally be where I was living or how, how things played out. And that's what brought on my mental health was, knowing that I couldn't be here anymore, but I didn't know how to get there because of the impact those decisions would make. Yeah. And you, and you have to know that you're enough anyway. Yeah. 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 So if you look back at your journey, you know, everything that you've been through, all the steps that you've taken to get here today, what was sort of the most powerful, um, I want to say tools, but I'm not sure if tools is the right, is the right word. Like the, the most powerful things that sort of helped you along the way, was it, you know, did you have a coach yourself? 
self-help books did you take courses was it like what were the things that really helped you get here it's kind of like what did I not do (laughs) (laughs) so no the very first thing was uh, it was an internal knowing so I had a time in my life where I literally felt like I was completely unlovable I would never I would never find happiness again because I was so broken and had too much baggage and it was like an internal I guess it was my inner guidance but at that stage I hadn't really done any self-help so I didn't know what it was but it was a distinct voice that said your happiness is your responsibility and that was a defining moment for me in terms of not looking outside of myself for the happiness that I had to be happy anyway and I had to choose what I was going to do in life that would bring the most amount of happiness that I could knowing that I had deep trauma that needed healing as well. So, but the first thing I, first thing really, the practical thing, I guess, was self-help books. So feel the fear and do it anyway. I was a notorious people pleaser, which is why it was so hard to make decisions and, and be able to be okay with them. So feel the fear and do it anyway was definitely the first book. Uh, Then I've done, I've been on silent retreats. I learned meditation and went on silent retreats um, I then uh, sort of once I did meditation, I deterra. So deterra essential oils kind of found me. It was just the bizarrest thing, but they kind of found me. I didn't go in search of them. That was a massive, massive turning point in my life because of the community that that brought me. The community of spiritual people. The community, like so, human design. Which have you heard of human design or work with human design? I've heard of it. I don't know very much about it though. Yeah. So it's based on when you're born and and it gives you a design of of different aspects to your personality. And and it's really great for business as well because it helps you understand aspects of what works and doesn't work. But anyway, so people that were into human design, using essential oils for the emotional side of things, really finding out about the subconscious and how that works. And then, yeah, I got my own coach. So my sort of sticking point I guess that was really getting in the way of being able to embrace us traveling and and moving and and that next chapter was a money story which so often shows up for people and I was really sick of feeling guilty and I was really sick of doubting that we had what it takes to be able to follow our dreams and I think like most people, you get to the edge of the cliff and you're that spent that you're just like, I bloody have to do something with this because I can't live another day worrying about this. And so I, I ended up with a, a coach who, in fact, like most things, what I thought I was going to that coach for was slightly different to what I ended up going through, but she was phenomenal. And yeah, just courses along the way, just different things along the way that resonate in terms of shifting energy and understanding energy and understanding how we can manifest. So like I have a list in front of me, I I journaled for um, on and off for probably about four years about our trip around Australia and our beach side change. And word for word, you can go back and read that journal. I journaled before our daughter was born. Word for word, her name, everything. We had a little girl. Uh, I've used mantra. So mantra in terms of 
when I had postnatal anxiety and post-traumatic stress when I had my daughter. Mantra was really helpful in just being able to reset those neural pathways. Um, EFT, absolutely love emotional freedom technique and using that has just been fantastic. And probably the biggest thing that was, I probably didn't realise that that was one of my first steps because we, we started it probably 13 years ago. But we started doing gratitude at the dinner table. So the boys were only th three and five at the time. But gratitude has played a massive role in, in my life and supporting us to be able to look at what we do have and not what we don't have. Um, and that was, I sort of stepped towards that before I really knew that that was a self-help tool, to be honest. It just was, it was super, super important for me to be able to guide my children into not growing up with a chip on their shoulder and not growing up feeling like they were really hard done by, even though they were, like they don't remember their dad and, and that, you know, that pains me no end. But it is a choice whether we sit and stay in that as our focus or whether we choose to be able to see what else we still have. And so gratitude was, yeah, one of the biggest things as well. Yeah. That's amazing. That's amazing. So many different things. And I think that's most of us, right? You know, our, it's not just one single thing that gets you there. Normally it is a whole mishmash of things. Absolutely. And it's, really, and it's just finding what works for you, like your best combination, really. I and I guess the understanding of like one is not, it, it's not just one way. It's not just one thing. And it's not just, I've done that. Why, why am I not feeling a million bug like self love or wholeness or the subconscious is designed to keep us safe it is designed to keep throwing out little landmines to throw us off course so that we don't go towards the things that make us feel great and i know that sounds so counterproductive but that's what we're up against you know in the in the in the time of, of physical danger it, it served us really well because it kept us away from dangerous animals. But now the biggest danger we have to our survival is our emotional health. Like we live in, well, you and I both live in Australia. Like at the, the, the amount of dangers that we sort of have are pretty limited. Yep. But we've got saber toothed tigers running around in our head every day. Absolutely. And so understanding it's there, it's there for a reason. The, the, this stuff is there for a reason. It's there to keep us safe. But again, we get to choose whether we're going to go, oh, I thought I'd done the work. That's it. I'm not fixed yet. It's, it's a lifeline. It's loving yourself enough to keep loving yourself, really. Yeah. 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 No doubt. <laughs> so if there was one um, exercise or practice that you would recommend for listeners, you know, Maybe they're at the beginning of this journey. Maybe they're not really sure how to start loving themselves or even liking themselves. Um, what would you recommend for people who are right at the very beginning? Such a good question because I just love so, so much of this stuff. Um, at, the, at the very, very, very beginning, I, I would definitely recommend even a, a commitment to a daily mantra. So training your brain 
for what you want to feel, even though you don't feel it. Because belief comes from that, that repetition. And while you probably don't believe it now, if you continue that repetition and you continue to the neural pathways in the brain and head to that, that positive um, self-reinforcement, you'll eventually begin to feel better. And that can be an easy symbol because this is the thing, and I'm sure you would agree with this. Most people that seek out a coach or in particular the coach of which I am, because obviously we attract you know, the clients with the particular need that we have. So when someone's in an identity crisis, they're usually fairly overwhelmed by the time they get to me. They're spent with whatever situation is not working for them. So to overload with go and do A, B, C, D and E, it's not going to happen. But a simple writing out a sentence of how you want it, like what you want to believe about yourself one day. So um, I can't even think of one now. That's a bit silly, isn't it? But, you know, like um, I'm always striving to be the best that I, that I can be and I love myself unconditionally. You know, so it's not like I'm fantastic because that's really hard to believe if you feel really crappy. But striving to be the best that we can be, that doesn't matter where you are on that line. If you are striving to be that whatever the best you can be is your best and that's enough. And popping that on a mirror and just continuing to come back to that and continuing to come back to that until some of the lightness and some of the overwhelm maybe shifts enough for then being able to add different elements. But I guess the first absolute fundamental key without doing anything, and it's such a hard thing to recognise when you are in despair or you're in overwhelm or you're in, you know, just feeling pretty cruddy. But the absolute number one thing is that people have to understand it's their responsibility. Even if you have people in your life that it's just like, if they could just do this, then it would be better. Or if that situation just changed, then I'd feel better. Or if that, it's the hardest thing to actually accept, but nothing will change if you don't. Our happiness, our self-belief, our outcomes, that is our responsibility. Absolutely. If I could like stand up and give you some applause. <laughs> Shout that one from the rooftops for sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and I know that that's challenging, like, you know, in, in different aspects of my life, you know, even coming up here and changing our whole life. And, and, and it was challenging because, you know, our security, we didn't have jobs and, you know, things were a bit challenging but I knew that it was our responsibility. I knew that it was my responsibility to keep coming back and centering into what is our value system. Yeah. What do we value the most? Do we value high paying jobs the most or do we value family connection? What do you value the most? Yeah. And then standing up and making it happen for yourself because yeah, nobody, no, nobody else is going to do it yeah. ever, ever. Yeah. It's, and, it's and that's right. And I did a um, a post the other day on my Facebook page and like I, I shared two of them and then someone added the third and I was like, oh yeah, that's perfect. Because to me, it, there's three A's and that is 
awareness. Like you cannot, you cannot get yourself out of a situation if you are not aware of what put you there or what kept you stuck there. And the reality is that we don't know what we don't know because if we knew it, we wouldn't be in that position. If we knew what was keeping us stuck and feeling like crud, we wouldn't be stuck. So we have to have awareness. That is the, the key to the healing journey as far as I'm concerned. But the key to the healing is acceptance. Acceptance of who we are. The good, the bad, the ugly, the fabulous, the amazing, the not so great. The, the acceptance of all of that. The acceptance of everything that's made us who we are. The life experiences, the people, the, the jobs, the whatever, like the acceptance of well, what got me to who I am today. But then the action was the third one, the action in becoming who I was always meant to be. Because we're already that person. We just got lost along the way. And the action of going back to that center, going back to that wholeness, because a baby isn't born into the world with no self-belief and no, like we, we are born as pure and utter just divineness until we learn that maybe we're not, or we learn that we need to shut that down so that that person will be okay. Or we need to, you know, step up there or step down there or, and, and we begin to learn the rules of engagement and really the, for me, the path to that true self-belief and self-love and wholeness is, is unlearning, un unlearning everything that's taken us off our true path. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, beautiful. Beautiful. There's so much good stuff in here. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, thank you. Um, I love, obviously, I love talking about this stuff because yeah, I yeah. just love the transformation that people <laughs> just take. It's so good. Yeah. Um, so if our listeners want to get in touch with you, where is the best place for them to do so? The best place would be, I'm, a, I'm an avid Facebook girl. So my Facebook page is Soulful Living with Andrea. So they can track me down on my Facebook page, uh, send a message through if they'd like to. Uh, also, same name for my website, soulfullivingwithandrea.com.au. And I'm on Instagram. So it's all the same. It's just Soulful Living with Andrea. You'll find me on those places. Yeah. So, and yeah, like I have little mini workshops that, uh, so my last one that I ran was Intentionally Increasing Self-Belief. I've done one about the graceful art of saying no. So just little one hour um, you know, quite um, economically sound, if that's the right way you say it. You know, they're, not, they're pretty inexpensive. And then I do four-week programs. So the next one's about to kick off called uh, Free to Be Me. And it's all about this stuff. And then obviously the option of working one-on-one -on -one, um, in a three-month program. So, yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. So I'll, I'll make sure to put all the links and everything in here. So um, yeah, cool. listeners can find you really easily. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Beautiful. All right, Andrea, thank you so much for being here. No problem. Thank you so much for having me on. I, I really admire the work that people like you do in being able to support the community and, and just have really juicy, in-depth conversations about all this good stuff. <laughs> so needed. It's so, yeah. so needed. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Thank you.
thank you so much for being here. Thank you for listening. If you want to get in touch with Andrea, the links to all of her socials as well as her website are in the show notes. As well, if you want to be part of the Self Love Simplified Facebook group for more inspiration, more tips, and more motivation to get you walking that self-love journey, please join us. The link is there as well. Thank you for being here. Have an absolutely beautiful day. Here is to loving yourself and embracing all that you are. Thank you.